the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. If you're listening on podcast today, you may think that you're listening at one and a half times speed. Nope. I'm just excited to be here and ready to talk. Lots going on today. It's a Fed day, which means today the Federal Reserve is going to tell us that they're going to raise interest rates 75 basis points. But before we get to that, let's talk about some of the obvious stories out there. Yesterday was a down day. I'm not going to put a lot of value in that. October was a big up month. September was a big down month. You see how it works. You don't look day to day. You look year to year, in my opinion. Besides a bright spot in Uber yesterday, which said that the number of passengers have topped pre-pandemic levels, stocks closed mostly lower. I like that little antidotal story out of out of uh, Uber. In this economy, good news equals bad news, unfortunately. The good news is the job openings in September cruised higher, signaling a healthy labor market. The bad news is the resilient labor market could force the Fed to extend its rate hikes longer than expected. I think we're going to get to the point, this is how I expect the, this meeting to play out, 75 basis points, and a very serious look in Jerome Powell. At the next meeting, that's when you may see 50 basis points or 25 basis points or a pause to let some of the damage of the higher interest rates wreak a little bit of havoc. I'm starting to see them. Let me give you some quick examples. Um and take a look at my notes so I'd make sure not to ruin any company. Um, Twitter staff has been told to work 84-hour weeks, and managers slept at the offices over the weekend. Managers have told some staff to work 12-hour shifts seven days a week. At some point in the next week, two weeks, three weeks, you're going to see Elon Musk come out and say, I'm cutting 10%, 20%, 30%, 50%, 75%, 85% of the staff. Twitter's not making enough money off ads to pay their bills. He wants to change that, and he wants to change it aggressively. Crypto finance firm Galaxy Digital is going to cut one-fifth of its workforce. I think that's good news. Is it enough? I don't know. Galaxy Digital is publicly traded. It is a play on crypto. It has Mike Novogratz, who is kind of a, a celebrity in digital currencies. He's a good guest to get on CNBC. He's a good guest to get on CNN. Like he can do multiple roles um, and be a Pollyanna, a cheerleader for crypto. I'm not knocking him when I say that. It's not my cup of tea. But if he slashes one fifth, 20% of his staff, that's a step in the right direction because they're losing $500 million this year. That's, that's unattainable. Open Door, they're a company who buys homes and then sells homes. They slash prices and paid buyers agents $3,500 a house in a rush to offload thousands of homes in the third quarter. Companies trying to head off bigger losses that could come as the residential market cools. Open Door has been offering buyers $15,000 in credit and their brokers $3,500 bonuses. They're losing money. 
Zillow tried this silly game of buying homes, fixing them up, and then selling them. There's been a trend in my lifetime, in my investment lifetime, that was very conscious and it was very clear. Um, flip the flipping and the learning channel and the home shopping, not the home shopping network, but the home improvement shows all got behind it. Flip that house, flip or flop, or, you know, Tariq and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I hate it. Those are reality shows where they basically kind of really help the people do the work and they create these dramatic problems. Like they go, Oh, we got to remodel a home and there's a power line right here. And we wanted to put up a bus, a big circus tent in the backyard and we can't do it now. And the next thing you know, it's being popped on up. Flipping houses isn't easy. Buying real estate at auction isn't easy. If you think there's a silver bullet to getting ahead by buying a house with a mortgage, you and your buddy go in and throw on some paint, clean up the floors. Heck, you could even have a staff that does it for you. And then put the house on the market three months later at $100,000 profit. You're, You're unrealistic. World's largest iPhone assembly plant is now under a new COVID lockdown in China for a week. Earlier this week, I reported that China Disney, earlier this week, I reported that China Disney has act, had actually locked people in the park until they could clear a COVID test to come out. That's insane. It's not terrible. It's, it's, it's unhinged. Amazon Prime members just got a new perk, but this one, eh, sounds kind of meh to me. Prime subscribers, now have access to Amazon's music's full catalog of 100 million songs. Woo, sweet. But we'll only be able to listen on Shuffle unless they pay extra. Mm. I'll stick with Apple Music or Spotify. Um, that's one thing where I feel bad for Amazon. They're trying to make Prime all that in a bucket of chicken. But it feels like their Thursday night football uh, broadcast is eh, its not quite ESPN. It feels like their video, eh, it's not quite Netflix. Their extra perks are just give us the damn two-day shipping, it feels like. Oracle's laid off as many as 200 employees in their cloud unit. Again, step in the right direction. Um, Biggest cost of doing business for corporate America is labor. Disney Plus subscribers now have early access to Disney merchandise. As part of a limited-time test, subscribers get access to merch, including Marvel and Star Wars products a move that could be a big step towards Disney's Amazon Prime-like membership program. That's kind of interesting. That's the first story today that I can go, huh, I didn't think Disney Plus was going to be selling merch. It's a a good vertical. Like Taylor Swift's coming concert in the next year, I'm kind of intrigued by. Um, And you can get like five days early access to buy tickets if you have a capital and credit card. It's one of those perks. Perks are important for people. I don't want to see Taylor Swift in concert. But like I've told you many times, when you get access to a PlayStation 5 the first year that they come out, buy two and sell one on eBay. Keep one, sell one. Same thing with uh, Taylor Swift tickets. It's something that I would actually consider um, buying four tickets, giving two to my niece, and then selling two to the public to pay for the two that I just gave to my niece. Amid Walmart's acquisition of FinTech One, customers are complaining of disappearing features and even declined payments. Walmart's CEO promised the FinTech would stay the same, but 10 current and former One customers expressed frustrations over product changes. So when corporate America buys startups, they kind of sometimes 
take what they want. Sometimes it's the talent. Sometimes it's the customer list. It's not necessarily the business model. A company is creating prefab tiny homes that can be set up in an hour. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? Honey, let's get married. Okay. I saw that Jack White uh, got engaged in the concert. And before the concert was over, he got married. And with this company, if he has an hour afterwards, he can do his little honeymoon thing. And then he can spend an hour putting together a home, $7,500 home designed to shelter people who are unhoused. Okay, so that's not quite right, but you get the idea. So taking a look at today, is there anything broken? Is there anything we have to hit? It's all about the Fed. I'm going to be honest with you. Today's Fed day, and once again, it's the most important Fed decision ever. Are they going to taper? Today's approach is, it it should be aggressive. I think you're going to see the market have a big response because we're either doomed or the foot's coming off the gas. It feels like a very dramatic, most important day ever. But the Jolts report yesterday is basically giving the Fed, they're out. They can keep raising or they can raise and sit on it for a while until the Jolts report starts showing job openings come down. Job openings means we have 1.7 million jobs that employers want to hire for. And we would have a much fuller, healthier economy. We're not living up to our full potential. The engine's not purring. It's not roaring at 65 miles an hour. We're like a 45 mile an hour on a 55. It's a big fed day. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. So I think this is worthy of hitting a little bit more from yesterday's news. Uber had a dream ride, in my opinion. Their earnings popped on increased ridership. That's a really positive thing. Oh, you need oh, you can't. Podcast listeners can't hear. We came back in with a bleacher song, which is run by Jack Antonoff um, as the lead. He also produces um Taylor Swift's albums. Like he is all that in a bucket of chicken of hot producers. But back to Uber. Uber just posted a five star quarter. And I don't really have a system like that. But when I saw their numbers, I was like, those are damn good numbers. In the TV show Twin Peaks, Dale Cooper, who was trying to solve Laura Palmer's murder. He would suck down a cup of coffee and have a donut, and he'd always say, damn fine cup of coffee. Damn fine cup of Joe. Uber's earnings were great. Ridership in the third quarter isn't just up from the same period last year. It's up from pre-pandemic norms. There's a fear of missing out inducing reflex that people have where they jumped on the stock yesterday. Uber still suffered a net loss of $1.2 billion in the last 90 days. Gross bookings, which include ride shares as well as food delivery and freight, increased over the quarter to $29 billion. It is legit. It was a very good quarter, especially since it goes against up to pre-pandemic numbers. Joining me now, Tony Mendez from BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find Tony on this very station later this afternoon. He has a show on, but you can also find his podcast uh, at various podcast sources, but BayAreaLoanSource.com is the website. Tony, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing fine. Home prices have been dropping. Um, I'm a great example of that. I bought a home last August. 
saw it right up and up and up. I was like, woohoo, I'm the smartest man ever. It's still going higher. And then now home prices have started to come down. As a mortgage lender at BarryLoanSource.com, a company you founded, what's going on with uh, home prices? Yeah, well, interest rates are giving buyers kind of a scare. At the same time, we have applications are back to 2018 levels for purchases. And I think buyers are just, um, you know, concerned about that, you know, cost of that interest rate. Meanwhile, we have sellers who are kind of scrambling to figure out how to get their homes for sale. Meanwhile, we have pending sales, you know, overall pending sales are down about 35% from the peak. And we have these buyers that are just sitting around waiting for these prices to fall and hit the point that that will entice them to move in. I mean, affordability is really all what it's about right now. You and I have been doing this for 20 plus years. You're you're great at what you do. You've done every mortgage I've ever um, initiated. Is that the right word? Uh, started in California. Originated. Originated that's right. Um, you're going to do my next one probably next year or the year after. I've started plans for saving and set aside some assets um, to, to build that up rates though. It's one of the things I've been talking about on this show is that right now rates are really high and they're probably gonna go a little bit higher, probably not too much higher unless inflation really gets out of control and we're looking at the 1970s. Um, what are you seeing in the rate action right now? And, and what are people interested in as far as product go? Because that's what you saw. You saw a mortgage product. Yeah, I mean, rates are doing what they're supposed to be doing, going up and down. And that's the kind of the silver lining to these higher rates is that if you can qualify for the right price, you know, hopefully you get to that right price and that mortgage payment, rates will eventually come back down. We just don't know when. Right now, we think the Fed's going to increase rates another couple uh, times through, you know, go, uh, the early part of next year. And that could push rates a little bit higher. We're at 20 year high on interest rates right now. I haven't even been in the business long enough to see rates this high. So it's been a long time since people have seen these interest rates, but eventually when they come back down, that's what an opportunity to refinance. But I think the consensus is people want the lower price rather than the higher, the lower rate. They want to break on price because they don't want to do both high rate and high price. There are some products though that people are using because sellers are now more uh, cooperative when it comes to uh, concessions and people are using those credits because the sellers want to keep that price up. So they're going to give it like $10,000, $20,000 credit to use to either buy points to get your rate lower or use programs like the two, one buy down where you have like temporary relief on rate by like two points in the first year, one point in the next year. And that helps them get through the times before the interest rates go back down and then they can refinance into a more permanent kind of position. It's an interesting concept you just threw down. And one of the things that I want everyone to acknowledge is that a mortgage is a very powerful financial tool. I've used it very, it's worked out well for me. And I'm not saying I'm smart. I'm saying it's worked out really well for me. I'm in a house now though, that it kind of, it's, it's a, it's almost a prison, Tony, because my mortgage is two and a half percent roughly, um, for another 29 years. And I don't want to give up that. Um, and it locked myself into a 30. So I'm not going to refinance this house anytime soon. But I like the lower rate, but it's also a higher price. It's come down. I'm still well above where I bought it. So there's nothing to complain about. And like you said, 2018 levels is where we're at. We're not at like 1974 levels. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, one of the potential buyers out there. A first-time buyer probably wants as low of a down payment as possible because we're looking at a recession. Um, we're looking at inflation. So the buyers out there are a little beat up. 
Uh, what are you seeing as far as lower down payment buyers right now? Well, this has been really good news for uh, lower down payment buyers because as prices were going up, it was really difficult to get in with low down payment because the seller was asking over appraised value. Now, right. because prices are coming back down to market prices, uh, a borrower can come in there with you know three percent down, five um, percent down, and not worry that half you know all of that or more than that is going to go to the seller. And that means that they can do the low down payment products. You know, CalHafa has a great product where you can do a first loan up to 90% and then get a 10% forgiven second. FHA is 3.5% down, even on multi-unit owner-occupied. There's first-time homebuyer programs with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac with 3% down. And then there's the whole bunch of the affordable, um, like community seconds, um, you know, the down payment assistance products. So this is really good news that prices are coming back to normal for people who have low down payment and make money and want to buy a house and can qualify at the higher rate. They just need that price to cooperate and the seller. When is your show on KDOW today? It's at two o'clock. Two o'clock. It's Bay Area Loans Horse with Gordon Hines and Tony Mendez. Tony's been a friend of mine for 20 plus years, 25 years, but he's been working with me for 20 years. Um, he's done all my loans. I have one last question for you. People can find him at bayarealonesource.com. That's bayarealonesource.com. We have less than a minute. Are you seeing any people lose their down payment? Are you seeing deals fall through? Are you seeing people get qualified and then the price is too high? The down payment is not right. Is the math lining up right now? Um, we, we, on occasion, we'll see some people that are losing money on a quick sale, like investors are really that have been stuck in a property that they were trying to flip. So we're seeing more of those types of deals. But for the most part, this is happening pretty quickly. So what we saw, you know, people who bought at a higher price got the lower rate. Now they're going to watch their price go down and they're going to feel locked in, kind of what you described about your property. And they just won't sell. They'll probably just do an equity line if they need some money, build an ADU or something like that figure out how to stay in the house because they have so much skin in the game, so much equity. So we aren't seeing that because it it happens so fast. You can find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com today on KDOW at 2 o'clock. This interview featured on the Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at RobBlack.com. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. This is a funny day because it doesn't really matter at the launch. It's kind of where we finish the day or what is the reaction to the Federal Reserve? It's a very dramatic day. Um, at least CNBC wants you to think so. I know you're saying higher interest rates are dramatic. How about like a Super Bowl kind of drama? For us, it is kind of Super Bowl kind of drama. Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com here to make sense of what's happening on financial markets. Briefing.com is a reliable source of domestic and international financial news. It is the way I start my day each and every day. Mr. O'Hare, how do we stand today on, on Fed day? Well, good, good morning, Rob. Um, kind of standing, uh, you know, standing our ground in a way, you know, a little bit lower, but uh, clearly kind of a, a wait and see mindset has kicked in. Uh, market participants are all anxious to hear what the Fed says, uh, not really about today's move, but you know what it might hint with respect to the next move in December. Do you think the Fed will tip their hands? They raise interest uh, rates 75 basis points today. They're probably not going to say, you know, that's it. Any chance to give any tip, any hint, any like, we're going to pause and reflect? Uh, there's a chance. Sure. I mean, you've heard a few Fed officials come out since the last meeting who have kind of suggested that, uh, you know, it might be time to sort of 
uh, take account of the prior rate hikes and perhaps uh, take a step down from this uh, very aggressive rate hike path. That doesn't mean that they're not going to raise rates. It just means that you know maybe they raise rates by 50 basis points in December instead of 75 basis points. Uh, but I think the Fed chair is, is recognizes that you know he he needs to be careful. Um, he d- doesn't want to uh, create an impression that the Fed is getting soft now on fighting inflation. You know that's been the the emphasis and uh, the most recent commentary um, after recent Fed decisions is that look, you know this is going to cause some pain. You know uh, inflation is still too high, uh, and the, the Fed thinks that it needs to get a, a, the labor market a lot softer to help with those inflation pressures. And you know we're still not seeing a lot of weakness in the labor market to, uh, in our estimation, make the Fed feel entirely comfortable that it's achieving its aim in that respect. So I think, you know, he might dangle a a carrot, just, you know, a little carrot, baby carrot that, you know, that could possibly take a step down, but that everything's on the table, you know, in terms of uh, what they would do in December. Um, But I think probably the overarching message will be, whether they go 50 or 75 in December, the overarching message is that the Fed recognizes that it's going to have to stay at a higher restrictive rate for longer uh, because it's still not convinced that it's making enough progress on either the you know the inflation front. Can I ask a little bit more about that? I just had him on a mortgage lender, and he was talking about it. rates go up, rates go down. And I'm talking to myself about potentially buying a house. Our audience is probably pretty interested. It's going to be my third or fourth house, whatever. Um, but I'm thinking late next year, interest rates will still be high, but prices should be a little bit lower. I get into it with maybe an adjustable rate mortgage for seven years. Sometimes in that seven years, the Fed lowers interest rates because the economy slows down and they're trying to stimulate. Am I thinking the right way? Or when you said interest rates might stay higher longer, how long in your head are you thinking? Well, you know, thinking not not through seven years, uh, frankly, you know, think more along the lines right now anyway, you know, probably stick there maybe through all of next year. Um, and uh, but but, you know, the caveat there is, you know, we have several other uh, inflation reports in front of us that that can change that uh, perspective. And, and that's, you know, and I, I have to think that way because the Fed is thinking that way. It's saying it's going to be data dependent and, uh, you know, if you need to see a lot more progress on the inflation front to, um, you know, make the Fed uh, to make us anyway, to make us think that the Fed is is willing to, uh, you know, pause and then and then eventually cut rates. Uh, and there's still not enough data out there, not any hard data that the Fed is looking at, it seems to suggest that that's where they're going to uh, to go uh, just yet. So, and I think that. They're also using, you know, communication guidance uh, to uh, to kind of make it clear to the market that it's it's serious about getting inflation back down to the two percent target. Uh, and until it's convinced that it's making some real progress in that respect, it's going to have to stay at you know a higher you know restrictive rate for longer. I'm quoting your page one this morning. A large batch of earnings. Results since yesterday's close has been in play as a trading catalyst. For instance, advanced micro devices, CVS Health, Mondelay are up following the results while Airbnb, Estee Lauder, and Paramount Global are down. 
The one that stands out to me is AMD because they're a semiconductor and that is a sector that's been hit hard. I'm taking a look at the numbers. I'm taking your AMD and I'm seeing NVIDIA go up, AMD go up and other semiconductors react positively today. Anything you're seeing in earnings that that I'm not going to say is optimistic because I'm really not that guy. I'm, I'm realistic. What are you seeing in earnings? I'm not asking for a crystal ball. Well, you know, what it's the earnings, you know, uh, we're seeing continued downward revisions, frankly, in terms of okay. earnings estimates. And as you and I have discussed in, in past weeks, um, I think that that's a actually an important step toward reaching a bottom. You know, we need uh, more realistic earnings expectations. Um, probably still not there quite yet. Um, but, you know, as you look at the fourth quarter right now, you know, and uh, at, uh, at the end of June, fourth quarter earnings are expected to be close to, to 9% year over year, according to facts that now they're, they're basically looking at about flat, you know, up slightly 0.2% year over year. Um, you know, the third quarter uh, here, you know, we thought that they'd be up around nine and a half percent at the end of June. And now they're coming in, up about 2.9%. So we have seen, you know, moderation in earnings growth, um, but probably still need to see more. I mean, according to facts that, you know, calendar 2023 earnings are still expected to be up about 6.4% or so over calendar 2022. And, uh, you know, we just think with, you know, again, as we've discussed in the past year, given the lag effect of what the Fed is doing, the effort to try to slow the labor market, the you know stubbornly high inflation, the ongoing war in Ukraine, uh, the recession that's unfolding uh, in Europe, uh, the slowdown in China, the strong dollar, you know, all of that pieced together, you know, makes us think that it'll be really challenging to deliver earnings growth in calendar 2023. So, so what we're seeing is that you're seeing some moderation in that earnings growth estimate. Uh, you know, tough to endure here, you know, as it happens, but it's a necessary ingredient to develop some confidence that we're nearing or getting closer to to a bottom. So that's one component. The other component that we've seen, though, is just uh, how the market has reacted to earnings news. And I think an important consideration there is that we've seen these mega cap stocks uh, not deliver, you know, the types of earnings that they've been accustomed to reporting. Uh, and despite that, though, the broader markets held up quite well because you've had a rotation out of those mega cap names into some of the more uh, traditional cyclical value names. Uh, and uh, and that's been encouraging to see um, because you have seen a number of those cyclical value stocks uh, come down significantly in price as well and are looking or uh, you know, trading at more attractive uh, you know, valuation levels um, you know, relative to some of these mega cap stocks that still trade at um, you know, above market multiples. You do a big, a nice column on Fridays called the big picture. You do, you start my day off each and every day, but it's that Friday column that I always like sitting down with and going, Oh, that's a good thought. Page one is a daily for me. Um, the big picture is the wrap up of the week. What are you working on this week or what may come out of you in the coming weeks? <laughs> well, uh, I, I chuckle only because we have two big, you know, catalysts right in front of us. Uh, the okay. FOMC meeting talked about. Uh, and the October employment report, you know, which is out on Friday before That's we right. open. Um, so, uh, you know, as a market analyst, I, I would imagine and, and I'm kind of expecting that, you know, I'll be writing about either or both of those things and, and what they, you know, what they mean for, you know, for the market. Um, so I'm kind of in a wait and see mode myself in terms of uh, hearing what the Fed chair is going to say and, and um 
you know, what we're going to see out of that employment report. Are there any analysts that you, and we've got about a minute, so keep it tight. Are there any analysts that you follow that you really like? Um, I always like Bayern Wien's top 10 predictions for 2023, mm. things like that. Um, I find it infotaining. <laughs> well, I actually, you know, I've always, I've always enjoyed the commentary from Liz Ann Saunders, who's uh, okay. you know, the chief strategist at, at Charles Schwab. Um, and, and, and really, I've, I've liked her commentary because she always just kind of distills it in a very easy to, to understand, you know, way. Um, and, uh, and that's, you know, half the battle here is as market analysts and particularly for someone like briefing.com, which also caters to, you know, cater to all types of investors, but particularly the retail investor, um, taking, you know, complex subject matter and making it uh, easy to digest and understand so that the self-directed uh, individuals know how to, um, how to manage their own portfolios. And so I've always appreciated her commentary. That's good insight. Thanks for joining us today. We'll have you back on next Wednesday as we start to wrap up the year. There's always something to talk about. Like you said, today is a Fed day. Friday is a employment jobs report day. And he likes Liz on San- Saunders. So you know what I'm doing right after the show today? I'm going to jump on and start reading some Liz on Saunders because I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with but I'm not intimate with her her writing style. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. You can find Briefing at briefing.com. They do cater to the retail investor. Their product is not free, but I think it's worth every penny if you are trying to gather and consume information about individual companies, about the economy, about interest rates, about inflation, about world markets as well. You can find them at briefing.com. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. One of the interesting things about my childhood was I was told by a father who drank too much um, every day, four or five bourbons and Cokes, um, plus what we didn't see, um, that I was going to be a a loser because I played video games. He hated video games. Video games rot your brain out. And it doesn't do a lot for a kid's self-worth when your dad tells you that. But I'm digressing. Um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 has come out, and it is a massive hit. That means a lot of kids are going to be playing video games at Thanksgiving and mom and dads around the world are going to say, stop playing that video game. It's going to make you stupid. And I think I turned out pretty successful. I make more money than my uh, oldest brother, my second oldest brother, my third oldest brother, my fourth oldest brother, and my sister all put together. Um, They have the benefit of pensions. I've got the benefit of wise investments. Um, it didn't rot my brain out. And if I could say something dirty to my father right now, I would. But as a father, I run into parents that they see me as a gamer. And like I, I, I did get called Duty Modern Warfare too. I did pay 70 bucks for it. I didn't wait for it to go on sale. Um, I didn't practice what I preach because I don't need to anymore. You know, I told you earlier, I don't change my own oil anymore. Um. Usually I'm pretty price sensitive on video games, but knowing that I'm going to play the campaign, my son is going to play the campaign and my other son's going to play the campaign and the campaign takes about six to seven hours to finish. I look at that as the three of us going to the movies. Um, 
And I look at his family bonding time in a good way, not in a bad way. Last night, my son and I played Fortnite Mares, which is a, a mode in Fortnite that it's four people against probably 100,000 zombies. And um, it just played two games, 30 minutes, and it was fun. And I think he'll remember that. I think that's kind of the dad I am. But I run up against moms who are like, yeah, I don't want my kid playing violent video games. I'm like, you know, I played violent video games, right? You know, I'm more successful than your husband, right? And I, I don't say it to be mean, and I don't say it out loud. But I go, huh, I don't really have a problem with it. I turned out okay. Um, and I know some kids do lose it, but I think it's the kids who lose their mind are the kids that don't have good parenting. That the parent doesn't engage and go, what are you playing? Show me. Um, you know, you can't let your kid play with a headset on and hear obnoxious, rude things out of them and, and not say, what are you, what's going on? Uh, I'm not spying on my kids, but my office is located right next to my kid's room, probably for a good reason or for a good side benefit. So listen to this stuff. Call of Duty, $800 million in three days. I want you to stop and think about that this year. Can you name me eight movies that did a hundred million this year? Nope. Can you tell me one movie that did over a hundred million? Probably not. Okay, Maverick. I think Spider-Man kind of technically, and there may have been another Marvel movie in there, but it's not been a blockbuster year for movies. And yet the video game industry still scorned upon. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is the latest installment of Activision Blizzard's tentpole franchise. Unfortunately, Activision Blizzard was founded by a guy who's a bit of a sexist, moronic jerk. And it finally caught up to him, and he's being forced, kind of, to sell his company to Microsoft and walk away with a billion dollars. Now, despite a general slowdown in gaming industry this year, the game is putting up record numbers, $800 million in its first three days. That's enough to give Modern Warfare 2 the best opening weekend of any Call of Duty game in the franchise's 19-year history. I've played every installment. I'm embarrassed to say that. Not really. You want to judge me, judge me. I'd judge me for my like my hair or something like that. <laughs> I'm much more, uh, how shall we say, uh, rule on people's uh, looks. Nah, I'm not. It's Modern Warfare 2, best weekend in 19 years. Do I have to say that number again? $800 million? At the end of the campaign mode, and I, I won't play the, the battle mode. I don't have time for that. It's a, a time thing for me. Um, the crawl is crazy. It's longer than any any movie you've seen. Eh, it's not longer than any movie. I can't say that with any factual basis. But video games aren't necessarily a bad thing. I think they're part of our society, just like Apple is part of our society now. When I was a kid, if a, a female at the arcade was playing Pac-Man, I used that as my way in. Hey, are you any good? Hey, I'll buy the next round. Hey, and you're, you're like, you're the hey guy. Yes, I was. Um, I didn't have a lot of game. I wasn't very confident. Remember that dad who, that said I'd never succeed? Um, uh, a $69.99 price point is helping. $69 for that game. So by the time I got hit with taxes and everything, that was an $80 hit to the wallet. Ouch. But also, I'm, I'm very conscious that some of the sales gimmicks that go on, for instance, like if you pre-ordered the game, which led to the three-day total of $800 million, that you were allowed to play the game for, ahead of anyone else. For eight days, you were allowed to go through the campaign. They've also, it's the pre-ordering gimmick, right? That's a bit of a gimmick because it was it probably was ready to launch eight days ago. 
but also Activision is getting smarter and smarter and they see people like me who's 50 and they're like, well, he wants to have a good time and not be humiliated by the game. My producer right now, he's a young man. He's a uh, millennial. If he were to put his skills on consoles against my skills on PC, he would crush me. I don't want to be crushed. I don't want to be embarrassed. So what Activision has done, they've actually made matchmaking in multiplayer mode um, less rage-inducing for players who happen to suck like I do. Now, let's zoom out and talk about Modern Warfare 2 for just uno momento. One more moment. Antitrust regulators are tasked with proving Microsoft's $69 billion acquisition of Activision. They're looking very closely at the franchise. They're concerned that Microsoft would make it Xbox exclusive. Can you believe our regulators are worried about video games becoming exclusive from Sony to Microsoft because they're that popular and that embedded in our society? That's why they're doing it. Video games aren't for children anymore. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.